once he did say he's married now he has two girls well he has two girls i don't know if he's still married but once he did say i was a fool to let you go mm. well i will always be the one who got away <laughs> to you Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Just Another Crush podcast. My name is Imani Parker, and this is the podcast where I interview people about their crushes. I'm so excited for today's episode. It is with one of my favorite people. We met like two years ago, but it feels like it's been 20 years since we've met and been friends. Um, But I'm so excited to chat with her, so I'll just toss it over to her. So welcome to the pod, Vero. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Imani, for having me. I am so very nervous about it. Oh, this my God. This is the first podcast ever. I, that seems to be the resounding experience when I talk to people about podcasting. <laughs> Everyone's like, I've never recorded a podcast before. And I go, me either. <laughs> yeah. This is the first one. I did, I've done radio interviews back in Argentina. Go figure. But never podcast. Well, I guess I'm from Radio Times. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to be the first person that you're talking to on a podcast. And the best part about internet radio is that I think you have a little bit more control over what's happening. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Um, Live shows, when they are out, they are out. It, yeah. And it's just like, mm, can't take that back. So first and foremost, Vero, tell the people how we know each other. Um, well, we know each other from doing um, theater together with Afterward Theater. And um, you were actually the very first person that I met on that very first, very frightening day when I was suddenly in a room full of people that I didn't know. And everybody seemed to know each other. And people who didn't know each other were normal, not like me. And somebody said, Imani, this is Vero. And uh, Vero is new. And you hold my hand. And you hold my hand. And you took me around the room, introducing me to everybody. So that's how we met. And from then on, it went downhill from there. <laughs> you make it sound so nice. I, I just feel like, um, you know, at the time, After Work was one of those spaces where, like, I just felt so comfortable. So it was really easy to be like, okay, I'm going to make everybody else feel comfortable. <laughs> it worked. Well, I'm, I'm glad it worked. And I had only been, um, I was talking to another guest about this, but I had only been around in After Work at that point for, like, three months so I really barely knew other people as well. but also you know it inspired me to pay it forward because every single first day at after work for every single show that I've done after that one I made a point to reach out to the new person and make them feel comfortable because I was like I remember how I felt that I, I was around to I was about to turn around and run for the hills and then you showed up and you made me feel so comfortable. And um, I was like, okay, I if somebody's feeling the way I was feeling, I want them to feel the way I feel after Imani. <laughs> so. Well, and you know who I have to thank for that, who kind of taught me that, um, was actually Tori. <laughs> I love Tori. 
I know. And Tori and I go way back. Like we lived in the same dorm in college and I, I didn't, I knew her and we would chat in college, but I didn't like know her very well. Um, and I remember launch day for my first show, she showed up and she was just so smiley and she was like, here, this person is awesome. You guys are going to get along great. And like, from then on, I was like, oh, wow, she's so nice. And so I really tried to do the same thing. Oh my, yeah. Well, it worked. We are, we keep paying forward. That's, and that's the only way good things happen in this world is if people yeah. keep paying it forward. Um, so Vera, let me know what crushes are we talking about today? Oh, um, the old ones, I guess. Um, for like, for full disclosure to everybody, I'm from Argentina. And um, even though I've been living here for 20 years, most of my full on crushes were back in Argentina in the times of university and high school. So um, I guess the first one was a full on crush, like broke my heart, wanted to die. I will never recover from this. I need poison like Juliet kind of crash. And when was that? This was um, when I started my first year of high school. We won't disclose the year, <laughs> but um, he was, and at that time, I never, I, I, we didn't have any art program other than a choir and I was too shy to sing in front of people. So I never sang in Argentina until I was like almost out of med school. Um, and he was, I was in the first year of high school. He was on his fourth year. Ooh. Yes. It's Andy. five years of high school in Argentina. So you go to high school like from 13 to 18. Um, and uh, he was, he sang and he played the guitar for the choir. So that was like, for me, he was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what it is about like teenage, like boys and guitars when you're like in high school if a boy knows how to play any kind of instrument, you're just like, ah, oh, he's perfect. It's the serenade yeah. thing. And if you're a Latina, like I am, I am a Latina, in case you have not listened to my accent. Um, and uh, I think it's like you get the serenades. Actually, you do actually get them. My sister had a, a former boyfriend who came like at two in the morning and woke up the whole neighborhood with this very drunk serenade. <laughs> I don't know if I would find that romantic. You know, I, I like my sleep. Like, what the hell is going on here? Why <laughs> is this kid? <laughs> we have no for I'd be like, can you come back at like 839, please? Yes. So my sister would not be awake at that time, but sure. <laughs> um, I love my sister in case that she listens to this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, my first crash, that was like the first one that I was so into him and and he seemed to like me and for full disclosure, we're going to use his, his real name because I mean, he's in Argentina um, and we're all grown up now. His name was Fernando. We cannot leave the name out, Fernando. I mean, I told you I was going to do this. I'm so excited. Don't call my name, don't call my name, Fernando. Well, I am going with, there was something in the air that night. <laughs> Ours were bright, Fernando. <laughs> that was my, that's my go-to when I think of him. It's so just 
It's a great name. I'm so glad that name. It makes me very happy. Fernando was like a crush, and it was. Um, let me see. Yeah, we. It was like mid-year to the end of the year. My my dad was a very controlling person. Dad, please don't like strike me from where you are. Um, but he was very controlling, and he was a very jealous guy. And I was his first daughter. Um, my sister came after, but like she was something else of what we already had. So I bore the blunt of his controlling thing. And he was very, he was overprotective. So he would drive me to school in the morning when I wanted to take the bus. I want to take the bus. I didn't want a chauffeur. I had a chauffeur. And then he would pick us up. So there was no time where I could talk to Fernando outside like recess. <laughs> and classes were like all over the place. Mind you, the high school was not that big. It was a small building, but um, it was like, okay, my dad would pick me up and God forbid that I was not gonna be there at the time that he was picking me up. So I had no chance to talk to him. Obviously I was not allowed to go out. I was too young to go anywhere. Um, Hence why I am a nerd, because I only have <laughs> <my> books. <laughs> yeah. Or so proficient in English, because I took ESL as an, as an after-school activity in order to get out of my house. You but, got to do. <laughs> yeah, girl. But um, so it was just like a high school uh, recess kind of crush. Mm -hmm. Like, look at him. And, and, and mind you, I was a kid with zero self-confidence at that time. Not that I have much more now, I have some, but I was a kid with zero self-confidence. So I felt like the ugly duckling and everybody else was a swan around me, mm. including him. Did you ever talk to Fernando? Oh yeah, no, we did. And he, he was my first real kiss too. Oh my God, you left this detail out when we were texting. Oh, and it's a great story. And, and it has a great uh, follow-up story because, uh, should I tell you now? <laughs> I mean, why not? This is a very, this is a very loose format. <laughs> um, uh, and um, the thing is, so the first, the first year ended, then second year of high school, he was in his last year. And all of a sudden across the street from my school, they put the one and only in-state ice skating rink. Mind you, I'm from the Northwest of Argentina. We only have like a month and a half of winter and then from September till March, temperatures are like around a hundred degrees. Um, <laughs> so. I would say like, sign me up for that, but I, mm, that's mm. hot. No, it's hot all the time. So one day after, at that time, my sister also was in high school, in the same high school, because my sister is a year and a half behind me. So sometimes she would leave later, like, 45 minutes later than me. So my dad would pick us up at the time that the last one would come. So that would give me 45 minutes for my crush. <laughs> Yay. It's so funny because I'm like, as you recount this, I'm also just, I have a younger brother who's like 
two and a half years younger than me. So we were also in high school at the same time. My mom did the same thing. It didn't matter if you were done with class at 2.30. If my brother was not done with basketball until seven o'clock at night, that's when I was getting picked up. Yes. Um, the thing is, mind you, I come from a very, very small town, the smallest province in Argentina. So it's, it, it, it was not like he was going to have to drive for three hours to pick us up. We were in the middle of downtown. So one of these days... I was leaving early. My sister was leaving late. Fernando left early. We went to the ice skating ring to sit and look at the people ice skate because I cannot skate for the life of me. Obviously, I'm not sporty spice. I'm posh spice. <laughs> um, and we are sitting there and he said, can I ask you something? I remember like if it was yesterday. <laughs> and mind you, we're both in school uniforms. So this is the cold to put you the cold picture. And I'm like, sure, what? And he said, can I kiss you? Oh my God. Consent <laughs> is so sexy. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I remember it was such a good kiss. It was such a good first kiss. He was a very good kisser. And the song in the background full disclosure now the year is 1987 the song in the background was um europe's carry i will never be able to not think about that kiss when carrie counts on whatever it is wow. So the thing is, he broke my heart because his affections were transported to a younger girl uh, in the first year, right around my, uh, you know how we Latinos, we do quinceañeras instead mm -hmm. of 15. Mm -hmm. So around, around, right around October that year, his affections were transferred to this um I can't remember her name started with an N. It was a ridiculous name. <laughs> Younger than me, like Nelia or something like that. Uh, and he broke my heart. And he, I was so miserable and heartbroken because all of a sudden it was like he would stand with his guitar singing to her outside her classroom for sake. He was just singing to this pendeja. And I was like out of the picture and I was miserable. And it was around that time, I remember crying for my, for my quinceañeras because I was so heartbroken. Can I ask you just like a really brief question? Absolutely. Um, so if it was around your quinceañera, you met him your first year and he was in his last year. So you were 13, 13-ish, uh, 14, and he would have been like 18 turning 19. Well, remember that in Argentina, we do school from March to December and my birthday is in October. So I would start the year with one, eight. I would start the first year with 13, ended with 14. Right. Second year with 14, ended with 15. Okay. Fernando was, oh, for Pete's sake, I didn't say fuck. Um, <laughs> Fernando was April and I, I think he was April 21st. Why I remember these things, I don't know. He doesn't deserve them. And uh, so 
he would start and end the year with the same age. So he was 17 at that time. So I was 15, he was 17. Okay, okay. I guess I'm just trying to get a sense of like, what older and younger means if he's starting to like crush on and serenade a younger girl. Obviously, like in the States, I don't I don't know if I'll just put it this way, like where, where I went to school, and where I grew up, like it was the talk of the town if a girl in high school had a college boyfriend or like if a girl in middle school had a high school boyfriend, because that maturity. Of but we don't have middle school. We have elementary school from kindergarten to seventh grade. It's, it's called just elementary school. Primary. Right, right. Well, and what I'm saying is like, yeah, out of high school and she's just in high school. Like I'm, my brain's trying to do that. Like understanding. Oh, he just had a crash on her. And then he was leaving to med school where you don't have any life anymore. <laughs> so it, it, it didn't progress. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the point of that was to obviously to break my heart. I don't see any other things happening here. Other than my heart broken. Um, and uh, I have, like, I consider myself now a person who has a certain sense of style. Mm -hmm. I, I was not that sense of style, first of all. I had not that in high school. I had, like, my long, black, straight hair that doesn't curl, not even in the wettest of days. I look like Pocahontas, <laughs> like that. Um, it, I was the ugly duckling in the family. My sister and my brother are gorgeous and I was the ugly duckling. So like that, that didn't help. So I was miserable. Also, wait, I'm going to interject really quick just to say that like, <laughs> you were one of the most like stylish, fabulous, like <laughs> beautiful people I know. So for you to feel like the ugly duckling in your family is one thing, but I refuse to believe that you were the ugly duckling. I will carry this until I die. I am absolutely convinced of this. I, I, I like, yeah. As an objective third party, I don't and, see it, but I just had to put that in there. <laughs> Thank you. I love you for that. So the thing is, um, by that time, I remember that, and my mom and I, it's very hard for me to talk about these things with my mom because she's a very... Catholic person and we I was brought under very strict Catholic rules which I now completely disregard um, and she berates me for it at my age she still berates me for it but the thing is she um, I remember she saw me so miserable and I told her what was going on that I like this boy and that he he was ignoring me now and she gave me and i she won't listen to this she doesn't speak english she would she would not understand but i'm gonna say it that's why i'm gonna say it she gave me the correct piece of piece of advice at that time and she was like ignore him absolutely ignore him he doesn't exist mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve you ignore him and i was like but mom how am i gonna ignore him <laughs> That's it. And I did that. So the first three or four days, like when we come to recess, I would be with my friends and we talk him and he would try to catch my eye and I would not let him. I, I, transparent. Oh, I don't, oh my God, I didn't see you there. You're so invisible to me. And after that, 
after a couple of like weeks, he would try to engage in conversation with me because he saw that I was not paying attention to him. And I was like, okay, maybe mothers are right sometimes. <laughs> and it was like, what I extract now from that, it's not the passive aggressive thing of ignoring a person. It's just that if he's just not into me, he's just not into me. And that's it. I need to move on. I, it, I, I felt better when I saw that he would try, but I was not interested in him anymore. It helped. It helped to, to make me detach my emotions from him. That piece of advice that my mom gave me. Um, I am not saying passive aggressiveness is the thing. I am just saying that sometimes you just need to take a step back mm -hmm. and see how they react. And that is your answer right there. I, yeah, <clears throat> and that's advice you've, you've given to me before. And I think like, I don't know if it helped you the way it helped me. I, I think it did. I think when I, I will say the circumstances were a little bit different, but when I like took a step back, like I had a conversation with the person that I had a crush on and I said, like, I can't be your friend right now. Like I, I have still have feelings for you and like, I will let you know when they're gone, but like, I can't be your friend. And so we had to like put our, put our friendship, relationship, situationship, whatever on ice until I'd moved through those feelings. Um, did you ever have a conversation with Fernando either like in high school or as adults about, you know, everything that happened? Well, we did not because after that, he just went on to med school and I went on to finish my other three and a half years of high school. And then I went on to med school and that's when you lose your life. Unless your life is written in Grey's Anatomy, which is an actual anatomy book that you use in first year of med school. Or, yeah. I did <laughs> not know that. Oh, also, it's a word game. I've also never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So, like, Grey's Anatomy of written by Grey is one of one of the most famous anatomy books that you use in the first year of med school. There. Who knew? Uh, and uh, unless you're... you're, you're I mean, my first year of um, high school, I, of med school, I talked only to Felipe and Felipe was a skull that I had, like a literal human skull that I had on my desk to study anatomy. <laughs> like also recite Hamlet in your free time. Yeah, well, no, I didn't have free time. You don't have free time in the first year of med school. And uh, so med school is seven years in uh, my town. Um, and... Uh, you go like from first year to fifth year, you have classes and you give exams. Fourth, like fifth year, sixth year is a rotation through the whole, like the four main disciplines. So I am doing my, my um, last rotation, which was surgery, which I hated. I hated surgery. So what you do is you're like an intern. And I was all dressed up like a doctor. I was, let me see. Yeah. 23 at that time. Um, I was a year away from graduating. Um, and <laughs> I am going, to, they assign you a patient and you have to deal with that patient day in and day out until they are discharged. So I go into the room to see my patient. And this is one of these 
common rooms where you have like five beds, five hospital beds. And then I walk in all clad in my beautiful like white coat and everything. And the door gets pulled from the inside, opened when I'm pushing it to open and somebody's pulling it to open it. And there stands Fernando in full surgery gear <laughs> after five years of not seeing him ever. I never bumped into him in university. Yeah. Oh my God. And we stood there like staring at each other. <laughs> All the nurses around, like the ones that I had behind me, the ones that he had behind, they're like looking at what the hell is going on? You two morons, somebody move in or out. <laughs> Laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> he is doing his um, postdoc residency in surgery. He is an actual surgeon now. And, uh, he was about to travel to Lyon, France, to this to do specialty surgery on a scholarship. So we talk, how how you been? Oh my God, yeah, no, I'm in my fifth year. I'm a year and a half from graduating. You look fantastic. You look great. Oh, it's so great to see you. It was it was lovely to see you. That's good. So okay, I'm like okay, I have to go see my patient, and she goes like um uh he goes like yeah yeah me too. I, I they are waiting for me in, in the OR. So he goes to one way, I go the other way. And then like three steps away, he calls my name and he says, Vero. And I turn around like, yeah. And he looks at me and he says, Carrie, I remember. No, he did not. Oh my God. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I remember too. And that was... <laughs> And that was the story. <laughs> my whole, if that happened to me, my heart would have just stopped. And thank God I would have been in the hospital because someone would have need to needed to revive me immediately. Oh my God. Well, I wait, was, so I wasn't that for, for like forgetful for what's the word? <laughs> not forgetful, like not forgiving. What's the word? Uh, word. Huh? What word? Forgettable. <laughs> oh, forgettable. God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes oh, I, I cannot believe that. <laughs> I would have lost it. Yeah. So what was that feeling like the moment he turns around and says, you know. Oh, Can't. vindication. Gumption, vindication, everything all together was like. So there we go. Did you, um, did you guys ever have coffee after that and talk about it or? No, we didn't. Um, at that point, I think, well, I had broken up with my uh, boyfriend of five years at that time. Uh, so I was like in the whole rebel, like cut my hair and everything face. Absolutely. When a girl changes her hair, she's about to change her life. Yes. And um, I had just returned from Europe when I I went to, you know, that I went to Ireland to study English for a few months. Um, I was singing in a choir for the first time in my life. And I had a lot of friends. So I was like, I, I was feeling more the way that I feel now, although I'm not even close, remotely close to that person that I was then. I evolved for the better, I think. Um, and, um, but it was, it was the, like the cherry on top of a situation that 
would have never gotten a cherry on top in my view. Mm. So when I tell that story of how he broke my heart and everything, but then I have this mm-hmm. to follow through. And then we bump into each other, I think on Facebook or LinkedIn or something like that, uh, like five years ago, he's back in Argentina. Um, he was living, he lived for a long time in Ivory Coast in Africa, working in a hospital there. And then he moved back to Argentina. And from time to time, we send each other a message or something. Once he did say, he's married now, he has two girls. Well, he has two girls. I don't know if he's still married, but once he did say, I was a fool to let you go. Mm. Well, I will always be the one who got away <laughs> to you. And uh, so it, it, it's now that I can see past the heartbreak, it's a good story. It's a funny Hallmark Channel story. Um, it is absolutely a Hallmark Channel story. And I think like my follow-up question for you is in that period of time where, you know, you're following your mom's advice, you're ignoring him. How do you think he was experiencing that time? I think as a, he was not also for full disclosure, the most popular kid in school. Mm -hmm. I went to a very fancy, very expensive uh, private high school only because, and I, and I am not a fancy or a millionaire kind of girl. I'm like middle-class working class. Uh, I have that kind of family. Um, It was just because at the time that I started high school, we, um, the, the, the school system in Argentina, which is public school, was hit hard by um, teachers' strikes. Teachers are allowed to strike mm-hmm. in Argentina, not like here in this oppressive system. Um, and um, so it would come to a point, like all my elementary school, my, my brother, my sister and I, we went to a public school. But like at the, at the end of my brother's public school years, it was... It would come a week when we would just go to school one day and then it was all strike. So my private school teachers would not go on strike. So they move us all to a private school. That's the only reason. So we had this kind of uh, jock type of guys in high school, the very, the people, the kids that come with from money and, and, and do whatever the hell they want. And they are the blonde white entitled kids. Um, and, uh, he was not one of them. Mm-hmm. He came from a background similar like mine. He came, he wasn't even living in the city. He came from a smaller town, like just saying, like we were going to school in Manhattan and he was coming from uh, White Plains. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Every day. Uh, actually more than White Plains, I would say like further up north. Yeah. Um, Larchmont, let's say, but mm-hmm. not, not, not a town with money. So he was not the most popular kid at school. He just had the guitar. Um, and uh, he, um, I think he took it to go back to your question. I think it was for him. Probably he, he, he saw that he was losing some of his charm, I guess, or like he didn't have now two girls pining for him. Norina, that was the name of the girl, Nerina. It was a ridiculous name. <laughs> so, 
like all of a sudden you have two girls pining for you and now you don't you don't have one anymore she decided to ignore you so i i guess it was like a below the belt mm. hit to his um high school manhood um and i am okay with that <laughs> i i don't feel sorry for that right now because i was one with a broken heart it was my heart that was broken mm. it was um me who was crying Meanwhile, you are enjoying your popularity. Yeah. And for the for like for everybody who is listening, I just did popularity with quotes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not popularity, it's yeah. popularity with all the finger quotes. Yes. <laughs> um, so I guess that's that's how I think he saw it. We never talked about it actually. I think it was just like the re-encounter situation was so funny. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he brought up the, the song from the first kiss was so like, you know how in um, in Love Actually, when uh, she goes with the guy to the apartment and say, just give me one second and goes and does a happy dance yeah. behind the door. And then, okay, that's done. That's how I felt, except that I couldn't do it in front of all the nurses at the hospital. Yeah. I, <laughs> that moment in Love Actually, like, Actually, all of Laura Lenny's storyline and love actually just like hits hard, but it's it also sounds to me just in your recounting of this story that clearly you left a lasting impression on this guy's life, on Fernando's life. And I'm wondering how much of him sits sits back whoever who knows how frequently, but I wonder how much of him sits down and says, you know. I could have handled that differently. Like I should have told Vero how I felt or we should have communicated about what happened or even saying like, oh, I actually did like her. I don't know why I treated her like that, you know? I don't even think he, he even thought he was mistreating me for lack of a better word. Mm. Just, I mean, I guess boys at 16, 17, I mean, their hormones arrive like 45 minutes before them anywhere. <laughs> it's basically like, let's just be honest. Yeah. And then I think it went high school for me when was a very traumatic period. It went downhill from there. Um, I went to high school with Regina George. It was really bad. And, and then at that time, my sister was in high school with me and she was a popular girl, but the good popular girl. She was like the good one. She was, she, my, my sister was like the one who would, um, she would defend me so many times. I mean, you know me now and you would not think that I am a person who needs defending. My sister would be my knight in shining armor. If I ever had, if you ever asked me who has been your knight in shining armor, my sister, she has been my knight in shining armor. So she would defend me and she was the good popular girl. Not the mean popular girl. She was a good popular girl. Like every, she always had like two or three guys that were like pining after her and she would care for no one. And um, she she just wanted to be with her friends. She just, and, and she would defend me so many times against this horrible, horrible person. So I think crushes in high school were, they, they came to a stop because I was afraid that she was going to find out and she was going to tell them. Mm. Um, and, um, and that was like the biggest one that I had in, uh, 
in high school, Fernando. It was right before Regina George entered high school. So one of the things that I've been working with my therapist on unpacking is this notion that it is bad for me to like someone. Or if I do like someone, they're not allowed to find out. Um, which sounds which sounds like something that based on like when I hear you tell that story about how this person would find out who you liked and then tell them and then like that person would avoid you reminds me very deeply of this like learned behavior that I have that I'm currently trying to work through. How do you think this Regina Georgia person's actions have impacted how you approach dating and relationships today? Hmm. Um, I think as much as I don't like to admit it, it has made a lasting impression because I am not a very secretive or reserved person when it comes to my feelings. I mean, you know me, you you can tell by my face when I'm happy, when I'm pissed. <laughs> I mean, you're very expressive. You're you're one of the few uh, people in my in my in my closest group of friends that have actually seen me pissed, and it's it ain't pretty. <laughs> it ain't pretty. Um, but um, I I become very when it comes to a guy that I like, I become very self-conscious and very insecure of myself because of that. And I think, I never thought about it until now that you asked the question, actually. I never put the two and two together. And it may come from a little bit from there, from the fact that she found out, she told the guy, the guy avoided me like the plague. So it would be better if they don't know that I like them. And in, in, I become extremely insecure about it. And, um, and that's why I tend to avoid um, dating because I suck at it. Because I, 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 I become this extremely self-conscious person. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe there is a root on that side of the, on the tree that is linked to that story, to Regina George. I mean, it's entirely possible. I, I just, I, when I hear you, you talk about this story, I hear a lot of about like my experiences growing up in high school and, um, that was a connection that I've recently made. So I figured I'd ask the question. Um, it took me a little bit longer than you. Like I was today years old when I made that connection. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's what, you know. You take insurance money? <laughs> No, I I don't take insurance because I am not a licensed therapist, but I do in questions. I will pay you in alfajores. Oh, oh my God. I'd love alfajores. You know how much I love those. Yes. She's becoming Argentinian for everybody who is listening. (laughs) Just a little bit. When you, when you think about like your crush on Fernando and hopefully hopefully not the other crushes that this Regina George-esque person has ruined for you. But what, what, did, what did your crush on Fernando teach you? 
Um, that I, maybe I am not that forgettable. That maybe, maybe people remember me and not because I am in America's most wanted list or I have a prize over my head, which I don't, but um, <laughs> yet. Um, so I think maybe when, when I think of all the stories and the follow-up at the surgery wing at the hospital and then him saying, um, I was a fool to let you go. Uh, that maybe I'm not that forgettable. That maybe it's, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I mean, I tend to think you're pretty great and not <laughs> you're <particularly. high> <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little bit, but like, I, I love that notion. Um, it's like a, I, it reminds me of inside out, you know, when the memories become little marbles mm -hmm. and uh, that notion like is a very happy marble of like, oh, I'm actually not forgettable. Like maybe I am not seeing myself as clearly as I should be seeing myself because I've made a lasting impact on this other person's life. And it feels like a, like a strong feeling that resides in a, in a comforting way in the love and relationship space in your brain. Like I'm not forgettable and I shouldn't be almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, he is a good marble yeah. <laughs> memory. He is a good marble memory because even though I remember the pain, the, the, you're, you're, the first time you got your heart broken, you will never forget that because you've never experienced this pain before. Uh, it's probably during your adolescence years mm -hmm. when you have hormones shooting out of your ears and you don't know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. You have uh, hair where you shouldn't have hair. <laughs> <laughs> where you think you shouldn't have hair. I, I, I mean... Jesus is going to have to answer to me. God is going to have to answer to me. Women only should have hair in eyebrows, head, and eyelashes. That is it. If we spend half of our lives removing the, all the other hairs, why put them there? First place? So, but moving on. Um, it's, you will never forget your first heartbreak because you don't, you don't think you can recover. I mean, Juliet killed herself. Yeah. I always say, if she had had the chance to live with Romeo, she would probably have killed Romeo first. <laughs> but that's how hard that first heartbreak is. And that's why you remember, I had my heart broken other times. There's one other time that I remember, and, um, and now we're very good friends. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I adore him. And yes, I had that feeling that we were the right people at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And that's forever how it's gonna be. But um, when time goes by with you after your heart was broken and it becomes a good uh, marble memory, you keep the good, you remove the bad and that's what you choose to keep. Mm -hmm. Not every heartbreak is like that. I mean, if you've suffered any kind of abuse or violence or mm -hmm or your confidence was so shattered or you were gaslighted, 
you cannot recover from that without proper help. But um, for the general high school crush or young love crush or that kind of thing, you learn how to erase the bad, the, the heartbroken part, maybe because you were not head over heels in love with that person. You were just, it was just crush. So. Yeah. Well, and I think there's this world too, where even if you are head over heels in love with that person, um, there's something about, in my mind, this is my personal opinion. There's something about the human condition that teaches us that like, human beings are so incredibly resilient. So even if at the time, this is like the worst thing that you've ever experienced, you have no idea how else to feel about it. You don't even understand what these feelings are because it's the first time you felt it. And so it doesn't really make sense. There's always that, there's always the idea of the next day, you know, and maybe the next day it'll be a little bit easier. And it doesn't mean it's easy. It's just like incrementally easier. And one day you wake up and you look back and you're like, you know, I did survive that. And I didn't think I would. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you. I always say we are way more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. Mm -hmm. And nothing is truer that than what doesn't kills you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. Because um, unless you have zero capability for learning, what happened to you is not gonna happen again. Not the same way, it's, you learn, you've been through that, you've learned, you, it happened to you before, you remember how you were, you've learned, you will see it coming. Maybe you won't step aside in time to avoid the hit, but you will be better prepared. And maybe the time after that, yeah, you will say like, whoop, nope, this truck is coming at me, I'm gonna move. So you, you learn, I think whatever, um, my friend Adriana, the one who lives in Dublin once told me when I was very heartbroken, it's this that happened to you will not happen to you again. It will never happen to you again because you've learned. You will see it coming. It may, something similar may happen, but this will not happen to you again. And she was right. She was extremely right. She, she nailed it. It, won't ha it, it never happened to me again. I, I had my heart broken, but also my feelings were way more involved and uh, I was way older, which makes keep like, you know, in high school, you think that, is, that your first love is gonna be your forever love that doesn't exist. Very, very few people have it that way. Um, and uh, when you get older and you have a crush and you're older and your feelings are involved, it's a different thing. But with high school crushes, are we very young crushes? Yeah, you just, you feel like it's gonna be forever. And then one day you wake up, as you say, and and you actually feel better. You actually feel like the lift, the, the, the weight from your chest has been lifted and you can breathe a little bit deeper and you actually want to take a shower instead of being <laughs> Bridget Jones hugging Ben and Jerry, which is not the threesome that you were hoping for. And, uh, and you get out of bed and you take a shower and say, okay, 
okay, I showered. Okay, I'm ready. And that's how you go. I do want to like take a quick moment to acknowledge um, something you said earlier, which is like, if you need help, seek that help out. I think a lot of times, again, in high school, you're going through heartbreak. It could be your first time. You don't know what those feelings are. And it could be really confusing and feel very isolating. And that heartbreak can be with someone that you have a crush on. It could be your first boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be your first um, friend breakup. It could be any kind of heartbreak. Um, but if you feel lost and alone, know that you are not alone and there are resources and people available to help you. So um, I just wanted to take a quick plug and make sure that people know that. It's funny because we are trained to seek help in all the other areas. If your teeth hurt, you go to the dentist. If uh, you throw up, you go to the doctor. If you have a fever, you go to the doctor. But unless it's something extremely obvious on the outside, we are not trained to seek for help. We, we have this um, scarlet letter and the scarlet letter is a T for therapy. That's the scarlet letter. Nobody wants to, to admit that they are, um, they are in need of help. And it's like, excuse me, if your drain is clogged, you call the plumber. If your car is broken, you take the car to the mechanic. If your head is not working, you take it to a therapist. That's what they studied for. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. It's more than fine. I, this is, I will be perfectly honest. This is the fourth episode I'm recording. It'll probably be the fourth episode I released. And this is the fourth time therapy has come up in, <laughs> in each episode because it, it really is one of those things where if you don't feel like you can talk to your parents, find someone that you can talk to. If you don't feel like you can talk to your friends, find someone that you can talk to. And I think when I was talking to a friend about this literally yesterday, and one of the things I said was like, depending on who you are, therapy could be going to church. And when you need church and like having talking to a spiritual leader, therapy could be a life coach, therapy could be meditation, therapy can look like a hundred thousand different ways depending on who you are and what actually resonates with you um but the important thing is that you you seek comfort and care i think it's also important to remember that the people in your life are your support group but they are not your therapist you cannot put the burden for lack of a better word again of your mental health in your family or your friends. You can talk to them about your problems. Like if I know, if I want an opinion and I know it's not, I'm not gonna like it, but it's gonna be very unbiased. I call my sister. 90% of the time, I'm not gonna like what she says, but it's gonna sink on me. But also do not disregard therapy for real with a therapist with a licensed professional uh and choose to put that burden on your friends because 
that's how friendships end. And I am going through that right now. I am losing my best friend of 15 years because she chooses not to seek help. And and I I don't have the, even as an MD, I don't have the weapons to help her anymore. Mm-hmm. And she's refusing to look for help. And I cannot, I cannot help her anymore. So it's like therapy is very important. And when you're young and especially if you don't have an open relationship with your parents or you don't have a sibling, I'm lucky to have a sister. I have a brother too, but he's younger. Uh, he's four years younger than me and he is a boy. It makes a big difference. Brothers if, are... If, some, if, mm-hmm. to a person that has never had a sister and they say they are very close with a brother, yay to you but once you have one of which i adore my brother i love him deeply um he is one of these very warm and he's always expressing he's we call him the flan because he's like all like mushy and he's always like crying he's the first one to cry like most likely to cry with a kodak commercial that's my brother (laughs) the flan and uh, but my sister it's like she's my person i'm her person her children belong to me because she is my person and my extension, these two children belong to me. Right. Um, so uh, it's, that if is- you don't have that, you need to be able to not feel guilty for wanting help. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, we all need, we all need help. That's yeah. point. Shall we keep moving along? We got a couple more crushes to, uh, questions to go and then we'll, Go into our speed round. Oh my god! I know we've we've been. This has been such a treat. So I, <laughs> I'm like really enjoying this story. I'm so happy. <laughs> um. Okay. How have you been dating during the pandemic? Oh, I haven't. I haven't been dating for like a year before the pandemic. Um, I am not good at dating. I become extremely self conscious. I have um. I have a little bit of a dark sense of humor and um, and being from Argentina, if you're ever in Argentina, you will realize we make, you know that Friends episode when Joey said that he can make anything sound kinky and dirty? Mm-hmm. We are like that in Argentina. You know when he goes like, grandma chicken salad. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we have a huge sense of innuendo and i become aware that not everybody in every country is like that <laughs> so um i tend to do that that's that is actually how i met one of my biggest crushes um through innuendo <laughs> and um and i become extremely self-conscious with dating so i i actually i do avoid it at all costs um, I, it, it has to go organically for me. I'm never good on the apps. I don't have them. I did have them because all the other kids were doing So why not me? Mm-hmm. But it's not for me. Um, it, it's very hard for me to connect on that level on an app. Mm-hmm. You can be, oh, I can be very extremely sweet tempered and, um, relax on an app when in reality I'm an electric bulb like plugged to 240 volts 
<laughs> so, so no, I have not been dating at all, but at all, not during the pandemic only, but like a year before or two years before. Yeah. I can't even remember when my last date was. I. Uh, no. <laughs> I can't remember it. I mean, I think that's totally fair. I recently deleted all of my apps and I don't think I'll ever be going back to them, to be honest. It's, it's weird for me. Yeah. It's weird. And yeah, no, honestly, like sad that I cannot remember when my last date was, but I really can't. I think, and stay with me on this one. I think you're an expert in dating yourself. Like, you know how to make dinner for yourself and create an environment where you are comfortable at home, you're watching your favorite show, you're talking to friends. And that is, I think, a skill that we don't celebrate as much as we should. Like, you are, I watch your snap stories and I'm like, man, she has created this just homey, comfortable environment where like, I I should be doing that. Like I should be making a good meal for myself and having a glass of wine and watching my favorite show intentionally, not just because I don't know what else to do, but doing it with a sense of love and self-care for myself. And I feel like you do that really well. Uh, I never... It's funny. I will have to pay you for this session. <laughs> <laughs> I never considered that before as dating myself, but like I'm sitting here now looking at my apartment and um, like I always have fresh flowers. And it's funny when people walk into my apartment, used to walk into my apartment before 2020 um, and Many of them ask me, oh, who got you flowers? And I'm like, I got myself flowers. I bought flowers for myself. I always have literally two vases. I'm looking at them now filled with flowers, fresh flowers. Um, so, and I do like to set, put up the table and make dinner and put the glass of wine and the, and the glass of water and, uh, which is something it's part of like what I do for a living when I organize events and um, at work and I like like the table to be set, but I like that I have my candles. Um, I have uh, the, the, the mood lightning, um, the Alexa turn on this, Alexa turn on that. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, I never consider that as dating myself, but uh, yeah, poor thing who wants to date me after me because like, seriously, I'm very good at dating myself now that I think of it. The standards are high. high. They should be. They should be. Yeah. Do you think you will ever go back to like actively dating after quarantine? Um, never say never. Um, there's always my hope that my life is going to turn out like Helen Mirren's who met her happily ever after, after 50. So I still have two more years to go. Um, but I don't know. I really don't know because I I don't think I'm not a firm believer in marriage. 
I, I think it's all these promises that you make it, they are, you can promise you're going to try. You can promise you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You can promise you're going to try to be there. You're going to try to this, but you never know. I mean, I don't think I used to think like that, but I think it was like more of this Disney movie, Hallmark Channel, things that were inflicted on us young women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we young. I think you can try, but it can happen that one day you're living happily or what you consider happily with somebody and you come across somebody who fulfills you in a different way. And you have all the weight of these promises that you made to the other person and you're going to set yourself for being miserable and making that person miserable. And then it's going to be three miserable people because you cannot be together with the other person. You cannot break the heart of the other person whom you made all those promises. So I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to, I, I don't know. I don't think there's one person destined to somebody else. Otherwise there wouldn't be any single people in the world. I, yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. I think like I read this tweet the other week that was like, there's a reason why movies stop at the wedding because it becomes work after that. And it's a lot harder to make. It's a lot harder to make the work that goes into relationships more (laughs) like glitzy and glamour like we do see when we see these films. And for women, it's harder. I was reading this article that um, our friend Megan McGinnis posted the other day. And it was about weddings and the pandemic and how she had to cancel her wedding to Brandon and the whole thing. And, and, and in this article, there was one line that struck me. It was this girl who canceled her wedding and did a Zoom wedding because of the pandemic. And she was she there was this line that said, women have been programmed to believe that they are cis heterosexual wedding day is the most important days of their lives. And there's a whole industry created around that misconception to fuel that belief into women. So if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're not a full woman. And women always bear the burden of of the broken relationship because what kind of woman lives the kids with the ex-husband what kind of woman dates and brings strange men to a home where she lives with her kids these things are not put on men mostly they're put on women so i think that's why we consider more before taking the steps to that kind of relationships because of all the burdens that are put on us unfairly by society i think that's yeah it's harder there's also um there's this documentary that my therapist mentioned it's about the history of marriage and it's only recently like within the past 100 years that marriage has been for love otherwise it's been for um stability for economic advancement for social status for alliances wealth yeah yeah, it's it's only recently that like marriage for love has become the standard. And I'm wondering if more if as more people like 
understand the marriage, the wedding industry and like figure out what that actually means for them and become more comfortable with relationships that are defined by themselves and not society's expectations. If we'll see a change in the wedding industry because it is a multi-billion dollar industry for some reason, all geared around one day. I, and don't get me started on the engagement ring industry. Yeah. I have plenty to say about that. Oh, I mean, we've been recording for, I think, an hour. At the <laughs> so we, we could go on for another hour about, like, yeah. America's wedding industrial concept. Uh, Podcast. I Engagement rings. Oh, man. As someone who's not even close to having one, like, let oh me know. Don't, don't. Get me an engagement car so we can both travel, dude. Absolutely. Money. Look, I'm here. I'm here for the. I, I've I've kept trying to drill this into my brain. Like, I don't want a wedding. Like, do I want to have a wedding? Yes, but I want a marriage. I want a partnership. I want someone who's in it to win it for the long haul. And I, with that said, I'm trying to like downplay the importance of the wedding in my brain. It's like I want a small ceremony and like only the people that are really close to me and my partner there. And then I just want to throw a bitchin' party. And I don't want it to be a wedding. I don't want it to be a wedding reception. It's just a party. So we can celebrate with the people that we love. That's not part of this massive wedding. Like, yep. we're just having a good time. Anyway, we've chatted enough about that. Yes. Last question before we go into our speed round. If there's one thing you're trying to learn or unlearn about crushes, what is it? Um, I would say do not, do not get ahead of yourself. You like this person, you find this person fascinating don't start planning your destination wedding before he likes you back. It's almost like be present. Yeah, it's like, well, it's great. You still can feel this butterfly effect thing on your stomach that it's not 100% pleasant sometimes. Um, but just pace yourself. Let's say pace yourself. Don't go head over heels because nothing good comes from rushing anything in life hmm. take mm -hmm. it as it comes and let it go as it goes i like that ride the wave yeah well with that great advice underway um are you ready for the speed round i am as ready as i'm gonna be <laughs> <laughs> All right. And just for context, a lot of speed rounds have not actually been that speedy. So there's no pressure for this to be very fast. Okay. <laughs> but we'll go at the pace that you want to go. Okay. Ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Who is your celebrity crush? Ooh. Um, I would have to say Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Hmm. Interesting. Like if um, Robert Downey Jr. and Javier Bardem had a child, and he also has this voice that is extremely sexy, and he can pull an Irish accent, as seen in P.S. I Love You. And um, yeah, there's something creepy about him in The Walking Dead, but I don't know, there's something about him. Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, what is your biggest turnoff? 
uh, a guy who thinks I have two. A guy who thinks or himself too pretty, like somebody who's conceited and mansplaining. Oh, oh. no, 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 that's no. no, no. What's your dream date or your perfect meet cute? It would have to be April <laughs> because it's, <laughs> no, um, it has to be the perfect date would have to be something to do. Like uh, my most perfect first date, I had two with the same person. It was the first and the second date. The first one, and if you're listen, if you're listening to these, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, the first I took him to um, the the back room, and he had never been there. And his look when this girl from New York was take he was not from the United States, was taking him to this back alley place. And he had for a second this look that, okay, this is how I get murdered. Um, and then the second one, we went to the Met Museum because hello, nerd. Um, and he was into art and he, <laughs> he kept saying like in front of all these magnificent paintings, oh, this is, brilliantly done, beautifully painted. And I was thinking to myself, duh, we are at the Met. Everything here is brilliantly done and beautifully done. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think we are? <laughs> and um, the thing is, in both, in both cases, we had something to do. It was not like sitting across each other at dinner that's for me a no-no. It has to be a perfect day. It has to be something to do. I like trapeze, not trapeze, but like a museum or an exhibit or something like that. Like something that, because otherwise I get too very self-conscious. I like that. You need an activity. Yeah, an activity. Yes, it has to have an activity. Um, on to the next question. What is one song that makes you feel excited or hopeful about love? Ooh, ooh the theater kid is coming. No, stay away, stay away, kid. Um, we welcome the theater would, kid. Mm, no, but it would have to be something in the lines of um, At Last by Ida James. Oh, that's something like a that. song. Something like that, yeah. What is one song on your breakup or love recovery playlist? I don't have one. I don't have a breakup or love recovery playlist because I I tend to associate songs with um, feelings and then I cannot listen to them anymore. So I tend not to do those lists. But a song that would make me feel like Stronger would be something along the lines of Brave by Sarah Bareilles, something like that. Nice. I like that. I love that song and I love her. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the nicest thing anyone has done for you? Oh, um, well, it was this girl who took my hand and introduced me to everybody when I was in a room full of people that I didn't know. Stop. <laughs> 
I'm here. <laughs> my my face is still so hot. <laughs> and here we are two years later, Imani Nicole. Two years. Oh. And then last question for you. Um, when do you know when do you think you will know you found the one? When <laughs> this is a metaphor, but it is also true. When we go to a restaurant and I order my food and he says, hold the cilantro, don't put any cinnamon on that. Yeah, that is, yeah. Knowing you, you hate both of those things. And for someone to understand that deeply, just. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when the, per the person who knows how you take your coffee, basically. Mm -hmm. That's so sweet. Yeah. Well, Beto, we've come to the end. Those are all of the questions. <laughs> well, did I pass? Did I pass? You passed with flying colors. With flying colors. Me wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think this is a lot of fun, and I hope you, you had a lot of fun. And is before we sign off, is there anything you want to promote? Um, where can the people find you? Just any of those like closing thoughts, words that you'd like to leave. Well, um, I haven't been very active on social media lately, more than seeing things, but not sharing things. Um, mostly people can find me in my apartment, in my shoebox of my apartment. <laughs> and promote is this feeling that I've been having that even though you have to remember that even though we are right now all going through the same storm, we are not all going through that storm in the same boat. And some people are going through in an inflatable little rescue boat. And some people are going through that in a cruise ship. And sometimes what you feel that you, your boat is an inflatable boat for somebody else, it may be a cruise ship. So act accordingly and remember that this is not happening only to you. It's happening to the whole world and um, try to be present for your friends try to drop a line the random i'm thinking of your message uh some of us are far far away from our families uh and don't believe everything you see in social media i love this closing thoughts and you know I don't want to clutter it with any more of my chatter. So, <laughs> Beto, thank you for coming on and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I love you. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Just Another Crush Podcast with Amani Nicole Parker. You can find the Crush Cast on Spotify or at justanothercrushpodcast.squarespace.com. On the next episode of the Crush Cast, I'll be talking with my friend and coworker, Catherine Way about self-esteem, finding partnership, and not using relationships as currency. So tune in next time, and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye! It's just another crush.